Welcome to Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan, a podcast where two friends catch up and talk about whatever nerdy stuff comes to mind, usually over hookah. Enjoy. Uh, this this issue to overcome. So what this what this document does is it is it casts Joseph as a widower, and so. Jesus's brothers in the canonical gospels, as far as this document is concerned, are actually Jesus's stepbrothers. You know, they're Joseph's kids. Which from, are younger. From, you know, which, which would be young. Well, Joseph is very old. That's how this all kind of works. Right. But I mean, and, Joseph's stepkids or Joseph's Jesus's stepbrothers mm-hmm. are younger than Jesus. No, that's not that's that's not necessarily true. Well, so so the canonical gospels don't specify. Like, well, like if, the, I, if Mary was a virgin when Jesus was born, he had to have been the first one. Well, I guess that's true. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. It, but but they but it's not as though the canonical gospels say that exact thing. They don't name that exact way. You know, na- name it in that exact way, and so. For an ancient audience, you know, and for anybody, it, it can be open to imagination, right? Mm-hmm. You're right. Like, if we want to go with the idea that that uh, Joseph, Mary is Joseph's first, you know, you know, uh, wife, uh, then yes, Jesus is Joseph and Mary's first kid, obviously. Mm-hmm. But this document sort of reimagines that. And it's like, oh, no. That it's Mary's kid, but it's not, you know, since it's not even Joseph's kid anyway, because there was no penis action, you know, and so, so all <laughs> of this kind of goes right, and 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 she get and Mary in this document, Mary gets to the birth of Jesus, and the it, the birth is depicted as as being painless and bloodless, like like essentially Jesus is kind of radiates out of Mary in this text. Um, remember, listeners and Matt, this is not how the canonical gospels go. Like right? this is this is the third century text. It's 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 not connected in that in you know with it's not considered it's not considered uh, canon. Um, and so Jesus sort of radiates out of Mary, and the midwife who's there doesn't believe it. She's like, "Wow, that's amazing! You know, that's incredible!" And and so the midwife goes and finds like the the chief midwife. And it's like, you'll never guess what happened. You know, this, this woman, Mary, the blessed Mary, she's, she had, she's a virgin and she got pregnant with God's kid and she had a baby and, and, and she had this baby and there's no problem. Like she's totally fine. And so the chief midwife, her name is Salome. Salome is like, mm, no, Bullshit. you're talking nonsense. <laughs> you're talking nonsense. And let me go check. This is the best part of the whole thing. It's, it's, it's bananas. And so Salome goes to Mary. She sees the baby Jesus. She looks at Mary. And the text says, not, not that terribly gross way. She's a midwife. The text says, Salome, you know, kneels down and uh, um, in, physically inspects Mary with her fingers. So meaning that she yeah. checks, you know. And... Uh, so, so Salome fingers Mary, yeah. and Salome's hand 
bursts into flames and begins to melt. Ah. And and lo- and she loses her hand. Like, and the scene is like she's like. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Not a- because of because of Mary's uh, ultra powerful vagina. Funny shit in the world. The one professor who teaches that Janet Spitler, Doctor Spitler, she was like, "How crazy is this? How crazy? <laughs> how crazy? How crazy is Mary's pussy? That's incredible." You know, like, like, I'm like, I'm like Dr. Spitler, you're right. That's, that's and you got to wonder, I mean, from Joseph's perspective, like if that's what happened to that lady's hand, I'm certainly not going anywhere near well, that. That's, that's, <laughs> well, that's actually the point, right? Like that's the point behind um, making Joseph so much older. Like Joseph was almost certainly older than Mary. Like we know that. We know that if Mary, um, it, as lo- provided that all the customs are being followed, which there's no reason to suggest they wouldn't be, we know that Mary was probably 13 or 14. We know mm-hmm. that Joseph was probably in his 30s. You know, like like we know that that's how that was. But that we also know that that wasn't that wasn't that, that unusual. That wasn't scandalous, right? Right, right. What was scandalous would have been Mary getting pregnant before they got together. That and right. which is which is the whole point of the narrative of Joseph, um, you know, going okay, well let's let's quietly end the ceremony, end the marriage we'll find a better place for, for Mary to have her kid. And that way Mary doesn't get subject to any, any bad stuff. Joseph is actually portrayed as, as rather gentle in the canonical gospels, like, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But in this one, that's why he's so much older because, because he's presented as being so, so much older that, that his kind of from a sexual drive perspective, that's not even what he's interested in right now. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's less presented as as Mary's husband and more presented as Mary's like guardian. Right. Um, who's already had his kids. And so and that's that contributes to the whole perpetual virginity thing. It's, it's not because you also don't want to portray Mary as being like like hideous. Like it's a weird line to to, to kind of juggle with women during this time. Like right. Mary is holy. But Mary is still a woman, you know, and so she's not this androgynous, non-feminine thing, which is why she's a perpetual virgin. Like, like she's she's still a woman in the fullest sense. Like in this document, she has her period like they depict her period, mm-hmm. you know, to indicate that she it's not as though she's a child. You know, she's not that that that's not what she is. Um, but, yeah, I love that. Like like Mary's <laughs> Mary's. uh burning vagina that 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 burns the hands of the unfaithful you might want to have uh, that checked <laughs> yeah, I don't know. what is the obsession with christianity in general with this notion of perfection mm. why is it why is it such an obsessive thing that they they literally like crawl through hoops to to justify things and the idea uh, or the ideal of having everything be perfect like we were talking about the gospel of thomas right mm-hmm. where jesus is growing up and he's a he's a little imp right as any mm-hmm. anybody that found that they had these powers would probably experiment with them and do crazy things with them you know but why is that so taboo that it, you mm-hmm. know 
why why do we have to have perfect mary and perfect jesus like that obsession without with 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 per- perfection makes it possible i think for people to have guilt and to have doubt and to have fear about an anxiety about trying to follow the teachings of jesus because they're set up in a way that like this is perfect and you too have to be perfect mm-hmm. i don't know if that's necessarily helpful so can you explain the the, the obsession with perfection <laughs> i can try um <laughs> So listeners, we recorded this. I, I might end up making this this coming week's one just because of a couple of things. But we're recording this right, uh, the day of the uh, uh, shootings in Atlanta. Right. And uh, and the well, the day after the shooting, the day after. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Um, and what's kind of coming out right now um, is the the shooter. Um, you know, explained his actions as eliminating the temptation, uh, where he he goes and he you know murders these women in in the Asian massage parlor that that was a full service massage parlor, and and this is uh, you know obviously uh, grotesque and terrible, and why we said a couple of weeks ago when we recorded. Uh, a perfect example of why sex work should be legalized, you know, because this is getting out, right. You know, the, the stigma and the taboo associated with it combined with, I think this Christian perfection that you're identifying that I think leads people to do some really wacky things. And wacky is, is of course a very weak word for what happened. Um, I don't know, Matt, I think that, on one hand, I can't deny that it, that what you're identifying is there, like from a scriptural perspective. It's it's not so much like my instinct is to say, well, it's just crazy people misunderstanding the scripture. That, not as much as I want to admit in this way, in this case, there are important, you know, points of the New Testament, in particular, the Old Testament doesn't. The Old Testament's concerned with a certain amount of ritual purity laws, but it but it's not it, it, it isn't associated with this kind of moral perfection that that I think we're we're thinking about. Um, but there are really important moments in the New Testament where it's right there. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, "Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect." Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 Saint Paul. Um, is progressive in a huge number of ways and is really, you know, I'm going to say radical in other ways. And one of the ways in which he's really radical is uh, when St. Paul uh, visual visions forth the Christian life and understands um, what he calls a, cru- what, what we might call a cruciform life, mm-hmm. a life that's in uh, continuity with um Christ and Christ crucified, a life of constant service and, and um, courage and uh, at, at, at times um, the non-resistance of evil. You know, that's part of the point of the martyr stories, right? Part of the point of the martyr stories is Christian martyrs uh, do not resist becoming martyrs. They do their thing. 
they and and they live into their Christian morality. And if they're killed for it, they let themselves be killed for it. It's just not that. It's just what happens. Um, and so it's there. Book of James is another good example. It's there. I but I I think that the reason why let me say it this way. I think that the reason why sex in particular um, and virginity is sort of hyper-focused in some really conservative Christian circles and is sort of navigated into this sort of premier problem is not just Christianity. It's a mixture of um, body politics and, and um, people ha wanting to have power over desires and power over uh, the bodies of women in particular and power over thoughts and stuff like that. And it weds itself to this, to this um, sort of sexual neurosis that, that Christianity has at times. Um, not a hundred percent across the board, but it's definitely there, you know, from the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, Mary is a virgin. She's depicted as a virgin, you know, and, and, and Jesus' birth is, is a virgin birth. There's lots of reasons for that. The primary reason for that is cultural. The primary reason why Mary is depicted as a virgin is this is this was a a cultural way people understood um, divinity, right? Like they understood because because deep in the in in the kind of literature and mythological psyche of that time period there were plenty of virgin births right and so it's mary's presented as a virgin in in the scripture uh for important narrative reasons and what essentially happens matt is that uh after a few hundred years of folks kind of being separated from from that trope it it is becomes theologized and it's like well mary is a virgin because there's something really great about virginity. There might be something better about virginity than about non-virginity. And in fact, perhaps when, when St. Paul talks about sexual immorality, he primarily means virginity, when in fact he means things like rape and, and you know, um, the practice of, of pedophilia that, that was present in Rome and in other, you know, Latin and Greek areas at the time, um, and then it just kind of it just kind of spirals into See? what we have now. You don't think that <clears throat> that it had anything to do with fulfilling prophecy in the Gospel of Matthew? Uh, yes, the Gospel, the author of the Gospel of Matthew, names uh, the birth of a, uh, the virgin birth as a part of. The group of Hebraic prophecies that Jesus is is said to um, fulfill, but but in general, virginity is not. Uh, it's present in Hebrew culture, like 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 a like a cultural Im importance on virginity is present. But but that that they weren't the Hebrews were not prudes, Matt. Like like oh they, no, they, I'm not suggesting that they were. Yeah. but like you know. There's a lot of things that I think were kind of bent into shape. We've talked about this before privately. Mm -hmm. um, the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Yeah. Um, no one calls him Jesus of Bethlehem. They call him Jesus of Nazareth, right? 
mm-hmm. the whole the whole story about the the um, census and people having to go back. Like, why would you move if there's a census? Like, stay put so we can count you. Like, there's all sorts of things that were prophesized about what the Savior was going to be, what the Messiah was going to be. One mm-hmm. of them was he was born of a virgin. One of them was he was born in Bethlehem. One of you know, and I think this obsession with per- perfection um, means that he has to check all those boxes as well, just like Mary did or just like anybody else. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm, you see what I'm saying? I do see what you're saying. I, I, I just want to, I just, for me, I, I would just uh, make the order a little different. Remember, Matthew is sort of the primary gospel that cares about that. Right, right. But the Matthew gospels- was written by a, an author who was part of, of a, of that kind of establishment he was kind of a, sure. a you know he, he was a learned a learned man yeah true. and he would have known about all those quote-unquote prerequisites or requirements right right all, all i the only reason i bring that up matt is because i think that i think that the obsession with perfection that's a human thing so there's humans everywhere that are like that but i think that the kind of cultural from like a Christian cultural perspective obsession with perfection comes after that. Like, I don't think that, I think that, I think that the, the fulfillment of the prophecies is important to the author of Matthew and to the Christian community for a number of reasons. Um, I think that it becomes more fodder later on in the development of Christian culture and, you mean fodder? All I mean by that is it becomes more um, uh, uh, fuel, you know, to 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 make that right, like to to develop so, this so, sort of to give it to give it authority. Is that what you're saying? Like to, to give, give it, it authority to to um, to give the kind of purity culture, right? Like that that kind of authority that Ugh, that obsession. Don't get me started. <laughs> well, I mean that obsession that obsession with perfection, right? Like right. Look, Jesus um, in the Jesus is is not portrayed as perfect in the kind of sense of perfection that that we're all trained to imagine perfection is like within this kind of Christian perfection culture, right? All that's why that's why studying the Bible with church people is so much fun, frankly, right. because because church people then are confronted by a Jesus, uh, and, and really by a ton of biblical characters that are scoundrels, you know, or, right. or behave. Jesus is not really a scoundrel, but, but, uh, but Jesus uh, comes across in much more deeply human ways when you read the New Testament, because he is, you know, he's mm-hmm. a guy. In, in a similar way that God, when you read some of the ways God is depicted in the Bible, comes across as much less divine than we think. Right. Especially in the Old Testament, he's kind of petty. Yeah, at times, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Jesus, uh, the same is true of Jesus, right? Jesus also then comes across in this sort of, uh, at times very human, at times, you know, uh, uh, angry at interesting times, calm at interesting times. Like, like he's, he's come, I hate to make this, to use this language, but he's untamed, right? Like, Right. And so and so even when the scripture says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, 
that perfection uh, could mean a number of things. This is why I name other forces other than just Christianity at play in developing this like obsession with perfection, right? Like we've got to, you've got to be to take, take this motherfucker who, who killed the, these, these eight people in, in the massage parlors, you know, he says, I did it to eliminate temptation. Um, well, anybody who, who has even picked up a Bible and, and read, knows even a little bit about some of Jesus's more famous phrases knows that Jesus doesn't call us to eliminate temptation. Right. He just tells us to pluck our own eyes out. <laughs> you know, like, like if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Right. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Like, like there is no, we're not called to eliminate temptation. We're not called to, to create this sinless world, this perfect society of, of, you know, you know, of, of yesteryear in which everybody is moral and there's no degeneracy and yada, yada, yada. No, Jesus firstly tells us, you know, keep an eye on your own shit and get it right. together. Right. You, you do know. you. <laughs> yeah. Like now, now is there a, is there a vision of, of, of a different politic? Yeah. It's called the kingdom of God and Jesus but Jesus doesn't have in mind a violent overthrow to create the kingdom of God Jesus doesn't have in mind the gunning down of eight you know sex workers to to, to bring about the I don't the think they were sex workers okay they were just masso- they were masseuses masseuses i don't even know what the plural of masseuses 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 no <laughs> i don't know I should but, not say there are sex workers. I, the, the, the only reason people are saying that there are sex workers is because of um, uh, Yelp reviews who name these massage parlors as full service, like sexy right. massage parlors. So you're right. I shouldn't I shouldn't be saying things like that. Um, but uh, but but that's all I'm trying to say is that this sort of uh, the, the Christian perfection culture stuff and that obsession comes from a whole host of things uh and and primarily the whole host of things uh i often see is hijacking you know kind of ready-made christian stuff you know the 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 stuff that's already there in christianity that makes us suspicious of sexuality because it's there and the stuff that's already there in christianity that makes us um morally belligerent you know (laughs) it's there it's there and and these these outside forces and power struggles and 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 manipulators um, poke and prod, you know, and 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 try to blossom it in other ways. Because there's 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 a, a long history of Christians who are able to to take that kind of moral dimension of their faith, you know, that calls for moral purity and and moral and and moral seriousness, and and develop into really startlingly beautiful expressions like Quakers who who refuse from the beginning of the slave trade in North America to own slaves and let anybody around them you know feel good about owning slaves right like like you're why are you doing this why can't you just be chill I can't be chill <laughs> you know because <laughs> yeah. because because Jesus wasn't chill you know what I mean yeah. like, like that's a good thing. That that's an example of, of yeah, Christian absolutely. moral, of Christian moral um, 
uh, uh, paranoia, <laughs> you know, really coming into play. Well, it, it bends you to the course of righteousness, you know, right. it, and it should. That's what it should do. But yeah. I feel like sometimes the message gets hijacked or misread or whatever. And I think that part of that, I'm not trying to, to shoulder this uh, atrocity on Christianity. I'm not doing that. But I think part of the contributing factor is this kind of bastardization of Christianity that this guy understood. And let me just say something as a side point. Um, mm -hmm. This is why stereotypes work a little bit. When you see like a stereotype about something, the reason it like what this guy looks exactly like what you thought he looked like when I saw. Yeah, I've seen. I've seen. I was like picture. young white guy, scraggly beard, probably has truck knots on his car, like. Yes, of course. <laughs> you know, so that's where stereotypes come from. Jackasses like this asshole. But uh, this is just a side thought. But anyway, the, the point I'm trying to make yeah. is had the, the whole purity culture issue, the whole um, idealization of perfection. Jesus's message was about striving for that perfection. Right. It was about understanding your shortcomings and working towards making yourself better for the kingdom of god at least that's mm -hmm. how i understand it right sure. mm -hmm. i don't think that it's meant as as uh an attainable goal for most people mm -hmm. it's just not right mm -hmm. um most people can never reach that strive reach that level of perfection that jesus did just like most people will never be a quarterback in the nfl or most people will never be you know the next albert einstein we're just not we're not that unique right and to mm -hmm. have it in your mind from a young age that that that's the bar that that perfection is the bar sets you up for failure sets you up right. for disappointment sets you up for feelings of inadequacy and leads to extremist behaviors right mm -hmm. it also it, it and it colors all of us in in many ways we 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 have an expectation of of perfection from other people and we don't realize or we don't understand that people just aren't perfect and we tend to negate those things that i mean this isn't a, a what about the good things hitler did argument but <laughs> sure. the point is the point is like we can we can look back and and ascribe great things to like um like take the founding fathers right george washington the founding father of of the united states right um god did a lot of good things but he also was a slave owner right mm -hmm. and it seems like now we have a movement that wants to indict somebody like george washington and, and ignore all the other things that he did that were good because he owned slaves which at that time what not that it was moral not that it was right there was quakers saying that it wasn't i mean mm -hmm. it's not like he didn't know sure right but i mean he wasn't a perfect guy but but he still did some really good things for our nation sure. right but it's not fair to just coat it all in well he owned slaves so you know and i think that 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 mentality comes from this perception of perfection with mary and with jesus and all these things before that how, how do you what do you think about that i think there's some interest i think that's an interesting connection that i uh, i haven't always heard that um you know well that's what i do you know yeah no i i <laughs> but i do i think that's an interesting connection i think 
you know, for my on my end, um, who also wants to take morality very seriously, that that's an important dimension. That's another thing about Methodism that that's really within me is this call towards holiness and and transforming ourselves and and the world around us into a holy world. Um, and so that's a part of my DNA theologically. But uh, I think for me, the uh, one of the reasons why the why folks are um, pushing uh, even harder against somebody like George Washington or our founding fathers or whatever um, on the slavery issue is is just uh, is mostly because of how bad things still really are for black people right. and how and how the um, the past of our country is used to bolster some of that. And so I think about the Trump's uh, what is ultimately a, a publicity stunt, right? The 1776 project, you know, that that lasted for six seconds. Yeah. Yeah, like, like that. That is, that is on one hand, shameless pandering, playing to a base that, that that nobody who worked on that took seriously. We all know that. Like we all right. know that. On the other hand, that it would work is a problem. Like right. like that that it works, that we can we can craft a vision of American history and have craft a vision of American history that. Um, be centers 400 years of black suffering <laughs> right. you know in order to tell our story is is some is a problem and i think that for many people um for me you know that's where that that's where that kind of lashing out comes from right like right. why now i don't go around talking about the founding fathers ever you know i'm just not that interested and so right but but like I certainly would find I was find just using it. them as an example. I mean, you can you can oh, pick sure. anybody from history and do that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know what you mean. I know, but but at the same time, to speak to your your other point, I do think that that's kind of an interesting uh, thing that you've connected, right? Like like this call towards kind of a moral purity, coloring our coming, you know, our, our coming for people who have made mistakes or people who have done one or two bad things in the history of, of very good things. I think that that would be less of a problem. And I think it would be less of a kind of a, that would happen less if there were sort of concrete ways in which we see um, like justice being done and accountability being had. Right. We talked about this a little bit with Gina Carano, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like, Ultimately, the main problem is there is no uh, there is no system of accountability and forgiveness that is taking place because right. whenever we attempt, whenever there was the attempt for Gina Carano to be held accountable in order to have forgiveness, there was the doubling down. There was a nope, it's not happening. Sure. I, yep. I don't want to do it. Bing, bang, boom, done. Um, and so in that in that sense, you know, the the full moral weight crashes down. Right. Right. I and think it, that should. It, it should. It should. Yeah, right. I agree. I just think that if if there was more um, 
concrete ways in which not just things are acknowledged, but that things are addressed in, say, in our, his in our history as Americans or, or just in, in the kind of run-of-the-mill powerful people doing shitty things, you right. know, kind of a thing, then I think that we would find that this would happen less because the trust would be there. You know, the trust well, of living in a more I, just society would be there. I, I sort of agree with you, but let me explain why this is so concerning to me, right? Sure. We have uh, a tendency in this country to deify people, right? That is true. We have a tendency in this country to look at Thomas Jefferson or Abraham Lincoln or mm -hmm. George Washington or who picked somebody, um, Martin Luther King, sure. pick somebody. And we, and we elevate them to these levels of this false perfection, right? And so sticking with the George Washington metaphor, I'm not saying that we shouldn't mention that George Washington owned slaves and that was wrong. I think that's essential to prevent him from being deified. Mm -hmm. I think it's an essential part of his story that needs to be told and understood. Sure. This guy did some great things and he also did some terrible things and that keeps him human, right? Mm -hmm. But George Washington didn't live 2000 years ago. He lived a little over 200 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. There's still people around that remember that shit, you know, Martin Luther King died within our lifetimes. We know that he was not faithful to his wife. We know that he had character flaws. It's recent to us. 2,000 mm -hmm. years from now, if we only tell ourselves the good stories, if we only tell ourselves that these people were saints and that they were flawless and we don't pick out the, the bad shit that they did, we're going to have more Jesuses in 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. And what concerns me is how much of that has been, you know, how much of the Gospel of Thomas might have been an accurate portrayal of Christ. <laughs> sure. Do you see what I mean? Because mm -hmm. we only we are obsessed with only telling the good parts about our heroes, and we never want to acknowledge any kind of negative attributes to anything. Whenever we're trying, whenever because how could how could we follow Jesus if he murdered children? Right, mm -hmm. a strong argument. <laughs> you yeah, know, a good argument. No. It would right. make it. It would make it a lot more difficult. And I'm not saying that Jesus murdered children. What I'm saying is that that the uh the tendency particularly from the christians right is to only view the things that you want to to view like it's a nostalgic sort of view like when we idealize the 1950s you know we think oh how how great it was whenever the man could work and support his whole family and the wife could stay home with three kids and cook dinner and they had a nuclear family and everything was wonderful and we ignore the fact that the, the husbands were beating the shit out of their wives or, or that there was rampant violent racism everywhere you know and, and people were getting crosses burned in you we we ignore all that shit and we stick to those things that are comfortable or palatable to us and i think that a guy like george washington is the closest thing we have to somebody being deified in our country. Sure. sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Now that's not to say that the guy didn't do some good things. We wouldn't be here, frankly, if he hadn't done some of the things that he did, sure. we wouldn't have survived as a nation. 
you know, leaving power when he didn't have to was a great lesson that the right should learn. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a lot of things about him that were good, that were positive. But it's not fair to just say he was a great guy. It's also not fair to say, well, he was a terrible guy because of the negative things that he did. We need to take the yeah. whole picture, right? Yeah. And I think it's interesting what you're studying. It kind of gives a, a more, I mean, if, if Jesus was truly fully human and mm -hmm. fully God, it seems to me logical that he would have experienced things like anger and frustration and rage just as much as he would have compassion and, and love and decency. It, mm -hmm. it, he, you can't be fully human without understanding those things. Yeah, I agree. So, I agree with you. Absolutely. I, I think that what, what you said is, is quite true, uh, is quite true. And I think that the, uh, what, why I think the, the, the currently in vogue notion of, of really trying to bring to light uh, and bring to more light the bad stuff has a lot to do with um, the way in which some of these figures are deified. But more importantly, the way in which some of this stuff is then continually used by powerful people to do shitty things. Oh, weaponized. Absolutely. Yeah. It's weaponized. Right. Yeah. And and so I think in that sense, you know, I, I, I think that, that that is a good thing. But I but I see and read your concern well. Uh and and I have it too, you know, of of wanting to A, make sure that uh we humanize these folks, not deify them. Um, and the way we humanize is by knowing and understanding the bad with the good. Right. I think I think that is uh, I think that is good and that is correct. I mean, take a look at Trump. Right. Like Trump is deified among his followers to the point where the bad happens in front of them. And and it's not bad. You but, know, it's but, just... but but you see, that's my that's part of my point. They're trained. Mm -hmm. They're trained that if you're going to follow somebody, they have to be perfect. So they can't allow for the fact that the guy's got flaws or they'll excuse those flaws you know for someone to say that G, that 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 trump was anointed president yeah you know that there there's some serious cognitive dissonance that has to happen for that to actually apply right mm -hmm. and these people are are trained from an early age from a cultural perspective from a religious perspective from a social perspective to to step in line to 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 right. follow the leader and and they can't accept that there's any negativity in that what i feel that that has to do with these shootings that occurred yesterday is you've got a guy who obviously has some mental issues mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean, mean mean that your whole church has to to behave that way it only takes one guy with a gun to right. fuck shit up you know mm -hmm. and if that community that he was involved in isn't expressing to him that perfection isn't necessary to walk in in the path of god to walk to to, to pursue the journey of jesus christ perfection isn't necessary then then 
you know, you've got people with feelings of inadequacy or feelings of guilt or frustration, and they and they present themselves in some people, not all, in some people in these violent outbursts. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just I, I think I think it's a pretty clear line from one to the other. Now, I could be completely off base. I'm not an expert on this guy, but like it, it seems to me to fit a pattern that has happened with a lot of other uh, similar incidents. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it don't have to be all as extreme as murder. I mean, it can be just sure. as, as simple as as as, uh, you know, anti-Semitism. It can be as right. simple as, you know not treating your neighbor with the kindness and compassion that you need to treat your kindness and neighbor or, or kindness and compassion you need to treat your neighbor with because we'll, they're other or they're different or they're separate right. from you or they're not as good right. as you. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it bleeds through our culture pretty severely. Yeah, I do too. I do too. We, the, the St. Paul makes a distinction at different times in some of his letters between um, sort of these ritual uh, acts of sort of ritual morality and, and um, you know, uh, uh, other sort of forms of, of morality. He doesn't have a fancy word for it. Uh, and so when Paul talks about, you know, for, for some of us, uh, there is a question is posed to Paul about eating um, meat that's been sacrificed to other gods. Essentially, Paul says, guys, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. You know, right. that's sort of the first thing he says. But then the man, second thing pigs are fucking delicious, man. Yeah. But, but, the, <laughs> but then the second thing he says is, well, you know, friends, like if uh, uh, we, we are not all the same kinds of people here, you know, and, and so what what could it's possible that something could be very sinful for one person, um, but but is ultimately not sinful for another. Meaning, meaning that that in the case of of uh, uh, things like ritual purity, which which the sacrificing, which eating the meat of that's already been sacrificed to other gods uh, would be, and so so purity you know, you know laws and and more moral stuff that makes one clean right um as opposed to uh um sins or laws or morals of of uh that we might call we might say something like that might uh, unravel creation or destroy aspects of god's creation um so possibly the difference between uh jerking off and raping somebody you know if you will if you will and by the way there's really not a whole lot of evidence to suggest that jerking off is would have been considered bad in the in the bible anyway so (laughs) let's throw that out there to my purity culture friends it's made up guys they're making it up you know (laughs) you don't have to worry about it um but like for saint paul that that stuff like the ritual purity stuff that Essentially, one of the things I, St. Paul kind of suggests is probably true about what Jesus does is that stuff becomes optional. Well, you know, that's, like, that like, can be dangerous, too, because then that can be used by people to say, well, if that's optional, then what I'm doing is optional. You, you're right. And, and St. Paul would, would probably, you know, he'd be like, yeah, I hear you. But but like, <laughs> but like I think for Paul that that was the way Paul navigated that question, right? You know, you've got 
you've got Jewish folks, Jewish Christians, who are trying to keep kosher. Mm-hmm. It's a part of their ritual purity. And you've got Gentiles who are like, do we really have to keep kosher? Right. We've never had to do that. And Paul is basically like, no, of course you don't have to try to keep kosher. That's crazy. And the Jews are like, what about us? And and, and Paul's like, what about you guys? Like, like, is this going to kill you if you don't keep kosher? Because Paul was a Jew, too. Like, he kept kosher. Yeah. He understands that. You know, and, and and they were like, well, kind of. We've been keeping kosher for generations. All right, well, then keep kosher. But, <laughs> but like, <laughs> do it. Fuck if I care. But, like, you know, but but what you can't do, because this was really the, the problem he's trying to resolve, what you can't do is you can't make the Gentiles keep kosher. Right. That That's that's what you're not allowed to do. That's that's one of those sort of intangible ritual purity things that um, could be important, but is not important enough to break the church up over. It's not important enough to sanction people over. Right. Um, so then you start, now you're ranking commandments, though. Well, for Paul, <laughs> maybe, you know, like for Paul. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not opposed to that. Let me be clear. I'm oh, not I opposed- know. I've never understood the the ritual purity thing anyway. It just never made sense to me. Like I've done some bad shit in my life and I doubt very highly that whenever I die and move on, that my diet's going to come into fucking question. You know, sure. it's like, well, you almost made it, Matt. You know, we were going to let you into heaven, but you ate a cheeseburger on Friday. So you're out. Like that's, you're that out. doesn't make sense to me. You know, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> no, I agree. I, but, but yeah, essentially I think that the, the main lesson of that, teaching of Paul boils down to the way in which we emphasize, at least in, in certain Christian perspectives, where, where morality lies, what is the thing that we are to be concerned over, and most importantly, our relationship as, as people interested in moral things to people who might not be interested in moral things, mm-hmm. right? At least in this way. And so as I read the situation, uh, this, this guy, you know, who, who killed these, these eight women or these eight people, um, right away, the perspective of, I must eliminate the temptation, uh, not only falls against, as we said before, the teachings of Jesus directly, where Jesus is like, no, you know, we are right. not called to eliminate the temptation. <laughs> But but it also it also indicates a a, a really kind of ba- a backwards attitude that in the in Pauline Christianity even Paul tells us no man that's the complete wrong attitude that 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 is not how it works you are not here to police the the actions of other people that is not mm-hmm. how it works you know part- most especially. That's what Rome actions. does. That's ex- exactly. That's <laughs> or what that's Rome what does. America does. You know. That's exactly. What, exactly. That's what I'm it, here for. <laughs> that's you know? right. Right. <laughs> um, but but what what we are to do most especially we're not supposed to police the actions of people who are at the end of the day asking questions of ritual purity. Right. You know. That's it. And Paul would frankly continue that. Like Paul doesn't have in mind the, 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 first, the first Christian that ultimately can envision or the first time Christians could envision a possibility of them 
being able to enforce laws, make laws, create legislation in, you know, all of that stuff uh, happens in like the fourth century. So there's 400 years in which that is not a live option for Christians. Right. And, and so the idea, so, so of course, Paul would, wouldn't be like, you know, oh yeah, make sure you create a society in which there are no prostitutes. Like, like Paul would not say that. <laughs> Paul would have no idea how that could possibly be true. <laughs> right? Know, how could that be possible? Um, with, once again, I and this is why I get angry with with these with American Christians in this way. You know, of which I am one, I guess. Like, I I don't understand how we get from here is the gospel, thus. We need to form a fascist dictatorship right. in order to Christendom didn't even do that, Matt. Like, like <laughs> European Christendom didn't even get together and be like, now we will form a fascist dictatorship. It was just it was just, yeah, everybody's baptized. So it's what we're doing. There's Mother Church. There's, you know, and, and here, here we go. Like, like there, there were there was no such thing as human rights in Christendom. And they right. still didn't try to do this shit. <laughs> they still didn't attempt to kill prost, you know, kill people like that, yeah. or or like you know, morally dictate the course of everybody's life. In part because, well, I mean, the only place where people learned morality was the same place. You know, in, in part, some of there there weren't a lot of live options. Right. You know, that's one that's one reason, I guess. But also, it's just not in their temperament. Did I ever tell you, I'm, I, I'm sure I had, about uh, Thomas Aquinas getting questioned uh, about politics, you know, from uh, from like students. So yes, this, you did. Tell the yeah, story, though, because it's good for the like, listeners here. There's this, there's this fairly famous story of Aquinas, you know, who's 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 like the, the like the doctor of the church, Aquinas, you know, like he's he's medieval Christianity's most special boy, you know, and, 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 and everybody loves him. I'm more partial to some other folks, but, but like Thomas Aquinas, he's a super genius. Like, like he's important. And uh, he's questioned by students of his is either students or like rivals, something like that. He was questioned uh, at the university at Oxford or what will become Oxford. And, um, and uh, is asked, you know, like like Thomas, uh, is it a sin for a man to steal a loaf of bread, to to, to thieve a loaf of bread? Uh, and and Thomas Aquinas is like, yeah, of course it's a sin. We we know that. We know stealing is a sin. And they're like, ah, but what if this man is starving and needs to feed needs to needs this loaf of bread to feed himself and his family? What then? Uh, it, it, it is thieving still sin? It is still sinful, and Aquinas is like, oh, well, that man is not a thief, because in Christian Europe, all things belong to the poor, right? You know, and, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's a great answer, you know. Like now, but that is never what these guys want to create. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> the right-wing Christian fascists, like, no. like they don't want to make that world because they they've never, they've never come from a position in society where they weren't the dominant force. 
they've never come from a position in society where they didn't have their way mm. right and and that that goes back to some of what we were talking about on one of the previous ones about like you know jenny from the block isn't jenny from the block anymore <laughs> Right. Like once you've attained that position of, of social stature or power, you lose that kind of moral authority or I mean, you can remember it. You can refer to it. You can you can draw from those experiences, but you no longer can speak from that position anymore. It's the reason why um, so many people get ups- upset when we talk about race. Uh, white people get upset because they're like, well, I never owned slaves or I never yet. Yeah, we know, but you're also the ones in the position of power. Right. Right. And so you can't, you can't, you can't say, well, all lives matter because that's not about you. Right. <laughs> right? right. You can't make everything about you, Sharon Osborne. Don't yeah, don't make that. everything about you and your experience, right? You have to acknowledge that the other people have different experiences than you. They have different life experiences. They have different stressors. They have different motivations. And it's not fair for the dominant society or the dominant uh, uh, religion, race, power structure, whatever. It's not fair. That, that's why we, we can't use the N-word, but they can call us crackers. They just can. There's a power dynamic there. Right, right. right. Well, and, and, and I think a lot of that message gets lost in Christianity because Paul was speaking from a position of no authority. Paul was speaking from a position of uh, a subjugated people at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Pa- Paul was not talking about being the dominant culture and never had any delusions of grandeur as you've stated earlier you know that 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 they would be in power to force somebody to not eat meat on friday or whatever purity ritual the jews had at the time right right when christianity 400 and some years later you know militarizes <laughs> and becomes a dominant force now they have the power to start enforcing those rules and that was never the intention of those rules that was never the intention from the outset and that gets lost mm-hmm. in translation i think and that I, I think leads to some some of this sort of bastardization of christianity that we see so prevalent today and i think you're right I, I really do think you're right i don't really know how to fix it um outside of sometimes jewelry will say things like outlaw christianity That'll help it. Well, no, you no, know, I and, think I think it's simpler than that. I think you fix it by doing exactly the sort of thing that we're doing right now. Exactly right. the sort of thing that we're doing right now. You don't deify George Washington. You talk about all his ugly warts as well as all his attributes and 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 positive things. And I think the more that that message gets out there, the whole story, the whole picture, the context from the mm. time, I think that would be better for someone to hear on a Sunday rather than the same old, you know, Bible stories of Noah's Ark. Right. I mean, to, to really um, express to your congregation, the original intent and where these people were coming from and acknowledge the fact 
that there are issues and there were issues. There always have been issues. There's issues today, the same as there were 2000 years ago. And to acknowledge all that and confront it is mm-hmm. how you begin to fix it in my view. That's a good word. That's a good final <laughs> word. Uh, <laughs> why, why go further? Matt has figured it out and I like it. Friends. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Fuka Chats with Matt and Ethan. We will see you next time. Nicole.